Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Hey everyone, this is Christopher Price of the Boston Globe. Welcome back to another edition of the Patriots Report right here on the Believe Podcast Network. Before we start the show, just want to say thank you to everyone who has gone out of their way to download, listen, and subscribe. Our last two shows have been two of our highest rated episodes yet with record download numbers. The first one with Miguel, aka Pat's Cap, was our highest rated show yet. And our show with NFL draft expert Eric Edholm of Yahoo Sports is second overall when it comes to all-time downloads. It's a great way to start the offseason. Make sure you listen, download, and subscribe. You don't want to miss a single episode of the Patriots Report. One more thing. If you're a Hartford Whalers fan, check out my new podcast called Brass Bonanza, where we go back and revisit those heady days when the mighty whale patrolled the Adams Division waters. That's also right here on the Believe Podcast Network. But that aside, let's get on with the show. I am excited to have back for return performance this week, Levin Reed of WBZ-TV, ladies and gentlemen. Levin can be found on Twitter. At Levin Reed, that's L-E-V-A-N-R-E-I-D. Lev, first question, my friend. I don't want to be accused of recency bias here, but was that the single greatest weekend of playoff football that we've ever seen? Not only the single greatest weekend of playoff football, but the best two minutes of football plus overtime in the fourth quarter that maybe we have ever seen. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and as you're watching as a fan and you're in the New England area, it's trouble, dog. <laughs> you can't be happy when you saw that. It's trouble, dog. It's a lot of trouble. I thought the weekend was great. I thought there was a couple of things that I took from the weekend, and we could talk about it. But one of the things I took from this weekend is that I could never be a Green Bay Packer fan. Yeah, I can't have 30 years of Favre and Aaron Rodgers, two you know, first ballot Hall of Famers, mm-hmm. and have two titles in between them. And that's and, and then complain about here and there. I just can't have that. I took away that from the weekend. And I took away from the weekend also, and this is for a Patriots fan. I know we're going to talk about the quarterbacks and everything like this. Jamar Chase, T. Higgins, say uh, Mark Andrews, who didn't play in the playoffs, but t- uh, Tyreek Hill, um, Gabriel Davis, Isaiah McKenzie. There is so much speed mm-hmm. on the other side. I mean, if we talk to Miami, the kid out of Miami, Jalen, um, I think his last name. Um, Waddle, the, yeah, yeah Jalen Waddle. Yep. There's so much speed that you have to now regard the cover for. Forget about the quarterbacks. Just the speed that you're going to see out there, A.J. Brown, the speed mm-hmm. that you're going to see from these dudes, um, you've got to get faster on defense because it doesn't make a difference what the quarterback is if you can't guard anyone. Exactly. <laughs> you, yeah. know, it doesn't, if you can't guard anyone out there. It doesn't make a difference what the, the situation is. And I, you're watching these teams right now. I was like, they're so fast. All of them are fast. So it's, it's going to be a problem for a while. The screenshot that I remember from this weekend is Tyreek Hill when he caught that ball and that's against a really good Buffalo secondary. Best of three guys like closing in on him, all with really good angles. And you go, well, of course he's going to be taken down. It's going to be, you know, they're going to be able to limit him to a 10, what, 20 yard gain. And he was gone like the roadrunner, just yeah. straight through that zone. And your your point is a really good one here. It's not just Kansas City, because, you know, for years and years, what, the last half dozen years or so, that's been Kansas City's forte, that fast break offense, Tyreek Hill, 
Hardiman, those guys, now you see it across the league. You know, it's not just, you're not just going to have to deal with it in Kansas City. You're going to have to deal with it in Buffalo. You're going to have to deal with it everywhere. Yeah, you're going you're gonna to see it with Zay Jones in, in, uh, in, in the Raiders. You're going to have to deal with I mean, in your division alone, you're going to struggle with Jalen Waddell. You're going to struggle with Isaiah McKenzie and Gabriel Davis and Stephon Diggs. If you go to, you're going to struggle with, you know, Jarvis Landry and all that stuff that they bring out there. Juju Schuster, you're going to struggle with those guys. You're going to struggle with the speed that you see. Um, the, there's a, the, the kid in, in Denver that I can't remember. He was the big wide receiver in Denver. He's fast. All, it's all around the league that you don't have guys right now. Um, and th- we're talking about teams that didn't make the playoffs. <laughs> okay, we're talking about those. These are the teams that did not make the playoffs. You know, like they didn't, like Allen didn't make the playoffs in, 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 in with the Charges. You're, these are the teams that did not make the playoffs. The teams that made the playoffs have elite speed. This is unbelievable. You watch, you watch games this week and you're like, man. All those teams are so much faster, so much faster. And all, and and I'll say this. And you know what? For the, for those listening, uh, real quick, Chris is a very mild mannered person. He does not get upset outwardly. Maybe he goes into a room and there's a whole bunch of dolls in there that have no heads. I don't know. That's okay. <laughs> Everybody deals with their anger in one way. I, on the other hand, am very volatile, and sometimes I will scream and yell. I watched a young quarterback get sacked nine times and say nothing. <laughs> I watched a young quarterback get sacked nine times, go back up to the line and go, okay, let's get to the next play. Mm-hmm. And I thought he didn't throw a, a he didn't throw a laptop or a Microsoft tablet. He went and sat down and did his. And I thought to myself, man, I could never be that dude. And yeah. that's and we don't I know I'm not sure if I've seen that dude before. <laughs> okay. I don't know if I've seen <laughs> that dude before where he's just okay with it. And again, like I think you and I had a conversation, whether it be through Twitter or whatever that they should have taken offensive lineman last year and they went and got Jamar Chase. Guess what? Yeah. They were right. Yeah. But this year, <laughs> okay, yeah. when the draft comes up, you draft as many offensive linemen as you possibly can because mm-hmm. you got to protect the franchise. It's, it's interesting the way that the weekend played out. And I'm fascinated now down the road. I'm, I'm curious, do you think we're seeing – is this the ultimate changing of the guard? Because now yeah. we don't have the oldest quarterback left in the playoffs, I think, is Stafford at the age of 33. And yeah. for years and years, it was Brady, it was Rodgers, it was Manning, it was the old guy, it was Ben Roethlisberger, it was the old guys who were the quarterbacks who were leading their teams to you know, conference championships, Super Bowls, whatever the case may be. Now, this kind of feels like a little bit of the changing of the guard. I think I I felt it was a changing of the guard or the start of the changing of the guard when Brady went into the locker room to talk to Peyton or Patrick Mahomes mm-hmm. and, and when they beat him in the AFC Championship game. That was the start. And from then on, um, I think uh, the Kansas City Chiefs have hosted the AFC Championship game now four times in a row. Am I correct now? Coming up, I in think so, yeah. So yeah. that's what I'm saying. So I think that was the start of the changing of the guard, for the, at least in the AFC, at least in the AFC. That may have been the start for the changing of the guard. Um, you're starting to see it. And I mean, it's a slow thing and maybe it went quietly, but when Ben Roethlisberger decided to retire, that was kind of a tipping point for a lot of the older, you know, the older quarterbacks now. Because Ben Roethlisberger was the quarterback that was taking all the hits for every other quarterbacks. So he started to retire. And, you know, and, and, and I think a lot of it too is this. Rarely did we see the older quarterbacks start to decline. And then all of a sudden last year, we saw Drew Brees decline. And now we saw Ben Roethlisberger decline. So I'm not saying Tom Brady's declining because he's not. But I am saying this. 
and Rodgers, playoff and Rodgers is not good. And I've seen enough of it to know that playoff, like if you talk about the, the quarterbacks and you, we, and people will say that Aaron Rodgers is the best thrower of the football they've ever seen. Give me his playoff moment. Just do that for me. Yeah. Well, that's what I'm asking for. Give me, because all these great quarterbacks that we talk about have playoff moments. But I remember uh, Clay Matthews making plays when they won. And, you know, you remember different guys here and there making plays, you know, Woodson making plays when they won. Give me Aaron Rodgers' playoff moment. And I feel when the playoff comes, it comes up a little small. Listen, I was so upset at watching this game with Aaron Rodgers and the 49ers because if you get a chance to play at home in that ice box that they call Lambeau Field Uh-oh. against a team from California and you only put up 10 points? It's not a layup, <laughs> but it, it, you should put up more than 10 points. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I'm not saying you should win the game, but I'd say the game is 35 to 30, whatever. What? That's fine. You put up 10 points in your home field in a, in a temperature that you're used to playing in. Mm-hmm. And I get it. And, you know, San Francisco has studs on defense. Whatever. You've played studs there before in the cold. You should beat that team. They only put up 13 points. You could put up more than – put up 14. I'm not, I'm, by the way, how about you throw a touchdown, Aaron Rodgers? <laughs> throw a touchdown. Just one. One. One touchdown. One touchdown one. in the playoffs. Right. Throw a touchdown. All the complaining, everything that he did all offseason, throw a touchdown. Throw a touchdown when they need it most. So yeah. I was more upset at that game than all the other games. Does Tom Brady return next season? Um – I'm good. I don't know. I think he's um, back. I think he's back. I don't think so. I don't think so. You, you, you think he's done? I, well, I don't think Tom wants to be part of a rebuilding team. I saw that here. So they're going to have to figure out money for Chris Godwin and Dominic and Sue and Jason Pierre Paul. They're going to have to figure out money for, you know, uh, Leonard Fournette, a couple of guys on the offensive line. I don't think he wants to be part of a rebuilding process. I don't think that's, I don't think that's part of Tom right now. I think Tom wants to win. Mm-hmm. Um, and I like, and I, that's what this was about. I don't know if when the chips start to fall and guys start to leave. Um, and, and I, and I, I will say this too, that thing with Antonio Brown probably bothered him more than we are trying, than yeah. we know, you yeah. know, like he, he, that was an olive branch. That, that was like a four year olive branch, so to speak, that he put out for Antonio Brown. And for that to happen, it happened. I don't know. I, I would lean towards no, but Tom Brady, I mean, it's it's hard to be prisoner of the moment right now and watch that and and understand that he may you know how he feels because I've seen that Tom Brady before and I think you've seen that Tom Brady yeah. before. I'm not saying he didn't look interested. He looked frustrated. Yeah. And and I've seen that Tom Brady before. That frustrated look on his face where this is not going the way we like. He didn't want to have to towards the end of the game throw this Scotty Miller and Ty Johnson. That's not what he wanted to do. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Yep. And so if that's going to be the case where that's what's going to happen, I don't know if he's going to come back to that team. I think we're going to see one more year from him. And, and I think the Brady effect could similarly rally those guys who are maybe on the fence about re-signing or maybe on the fence about returning. I, I think that he can still be enough of a motivational factor. I don't think he wants it to end that way. I, I don't okay. think he wants it to end in a loss in a divisional playoff game at home where he almost he was would, almost it, able to wake up Would it be a the difference echoes. maker for you? And this is what I'm saying, Chris. Mm-hmm. You're saying Tom Brady can make that rally for, for you, Chris. Yeah. And I'm saying, and Tom Brady's made a billion dollars and has a billion dollar wife. You don't. Yeah. Okay. You have not made the big money yet. Someone's going to, they're going to offer you 5 million and somebody's going to offer 5 million for one year. And someone's going to offer you, you know, 25 guaranteed over six. Mm-hmm. 
Bye, Tom. I'll see you. I got to think. I got to eat too, baby. <laughs> you know? And I understand. I did this for two years for you. I, why should I do it for it? My name's not Grunk. Grunk's done his thing. He's going to stay yeah. with you wherever you go. But if I'm Chris Godwin and they offer me five and somebody asks me 14 a year, I'm leaving. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah, know? That's true. And that's, how I, that's just how I see I get it. Like, yeah. you're going to have to get aging veterans to do that mm-hmm. who have made their money. Like, we, we talked about it before when the Patriots brought this team on. They, they, they got a lot of guys who are making money. So mm-hmm. they, these guys seem to be a little bit more freer where their attitudes are and how they do. So, like, eventually, you're like in Tampa, I think there are guys who are going to want to make money. Yeah. I mean, you're, you're, let's, let's take advantage of the situation that I'm on a championship team and sign some big contracts. I need to make that money. Why can't I Damian Woody this situation? <laughs> <You know? laughs> do what I need to do. Why can't I do that? I need to do that. I, I like playing for Tom. He, he helped me win one. We almost got to two. This has been great times. I can say I played for him, mm-hmm. but I, I, now I got to feed my family too. So then what you do is you fundamentally have a team with a bunch of guys who are on their first contract or mm-hmm. on their last contract. And that's something we saw here in new England for a long, long time where Tom was able to recruit for lack of a better term the James Harrison's, you know, the, the, the Rodney Harrison, you know, the Rodney Harrison, those type of guys who could help them, you know, look, you know, come play with me. I'll get your ring before you retire. Okay. So let's do this championship before you retire. So, so that's the team building process. Then then going forward for Tampa Bay, if, if Brady does return, but is it already happening someplace else? And I will say this to you, the LA Rams are doing that. Mm -hmm. They went out and got Von Miller at the break and they were like, Hey, just come here. They had Jalen Ramsey talk to those guys. They had Aaron Donald talk to those guys. They, they, I feel like the Rams are doing that. And I do feel this. And maybe that's in the NFC. And, and you, you know, Tampa and, and what you call Los Angeles and one thing. But I will say this too. If Patrick Mahomes continues to be Patrick Mahomes, maybe I go to Kansas City too yeah, for that, that's, that break. Yeah, that, that's you know, the like, one. Yeah. That's the one. Maybe I go to yeah. Kansas City for that because, like, if you're going to keep hosting, if, I, I, like, I think coming here, like we used to call, what, what do we call that? We call the Tom Brady Invitational was the AFC Championship game for the longest time. <laughs> you know, <laughs> Tom Brady Invitational. So I think now it's the Patrick Mahomes Invitational. Yeah. So why not go there? Um, and how many guys do you know that they were like, they signed so much money, but their bonuses kicked in and the championship game and the Super Bowl. Yeah. And they were just guaranteed to make it there. So if you're going to do a contract like that, I got to make sure you make it there. Patrick Mahomes could be the wagon. Yeah, it's I, and I got to say this, man, I do. It's funny talking about the Tom Brady Invitational and forced, you know, Kansas City hosting the AFC Championship game for four straight years. I do kind of miss it a little bit. Yeah. As a media member, the, the excitement, the electricity, the energy at this time of year where it would just ratchet up about 18 notches and you knew the entire sports world was looking at Foxborough and it's just, you know, ESPN and CNN and everyone was there in the building. And there was a, there was an energy, there was a feeling about it covering that team those years that I don't think, I don't know if we'll ever see that again here in Foxborough. I'm not saying they can't get back to the Super Bowl, but those teams with Brady and Gronk and Welker and Edelman and Moss. And it, it just felt like those guys were rock stars in a lot of ways. I tell people, I said, I knew the Brady effect the year and I, I knew before then, but I could feel the Brady effect the year he had to go to be suspended that year. I feel it was a 2016, 2017. You remember the year. I forget the year, but it was a preseason game. And the last preseason game they had, they played the giants and forget the coach of the giants at the time, but 
uh, what you call it, Brady played the first and second quarter and part of the third because he wasn't going to play for four games. And whoever the Giants coach was kept his whole starting lineup out there for the whole time because the atmosphere when Brady was on the field is so different than when he's not on the field. You know that. Like, everybody's, okay, Brady's out there. Let's do this. You know, we've seen it in training camp when they go up against, like, I remember they had, like, a, a, a one-on-one training session with the Philadelphia Eagles, and, and Brady was, like, 36 for 38. Some weird, crazy number. Mm-hmm. And the Eagles were like, man, that guy's good. <laughs> They're like, oh, my God, this guy's good, man. He's cutting us up, you know? And I was like, yeah. So the, the atmosphere of a Brady-led team is so different um, than and and that team that and and first and foremost we're not talking about a five year team that had Brady we're saying you're inside your ten your twelve years with Brady so he understands what's needed to win so he's telling you this is what we need to do to win and you as a media member I remember like you don't feel cocky about it but you're watching a game you're like there'll be fourth and say fourth and four at the five yard line and you're like you guys gotta go for a touchdown here mm-hmm. to the opponents. You're like, and the opponent would kick a field goal. You're like, yeah, I don't know what you're doing. It's, it's done. Yeah, at that point, <laughs> it's done. You yeah. like, and you're like, as a media member, like, you know, you're like, you need to get a touchdown. Okay, yep. this is before they were starting to go on fourth and everything. But we would go, you got to get a touchdown here because Brady's coming for seven. He's yep. not, you know, he's not coming for threes. So it's a very different atmosphere. You're correct. Is is Mahomes Allen going to be the new Brady Manning? I think there's some potential there. I think there's the possibility. That we could see, and look, a lot of things have to come have to fall into place perfectly. It's not just about the quarterbacks; it's about the team building process for both franchises. But toward the end of that game, and the way they both reacted after the game, I don't know if you saw the video of Patrick mm-hmm. Mahomes going yeah. after, you know, finding Josh Allen, having the embrace. It feels like we are on the cusp of a new quarterback, and I don't even call it a rivalry, but but like I said, the next stage of a Brady Manning type of situation. Do you think it could be better? I, I think it could be different. I think it could be I'm similar but different. For for ten years, I think we yes. could see these two guys. You know, we're we're, we're the, I just I feel like this is the first conversation in a series of conversations that end with, boy, you know, the AFC Championship game has had one of these two guys in it for the last dozen years. I will say this, and I know I watched yesterday's game thinking to myself, I, I the reason why I say it's better, and I this is why is because. For there was years that that Peyton Manning kind of languished mm-hmm. and wasn't good enough to hang in there. Where I'm not saying Josh Allen is better than Peyton Manning. I'm saying in his early years, Josh Allen is better than Peyton Manning. <laughs> okay, in his early years, I mean, Josh Allen, I am, I am stunned at how good he is. I'm, I'm, I'm. It's, I'm. His arm must be built by Elon Musk or something. I have no idea how he makes some of these throws. And for some reason, and I, uh, this is what's bothering me. I watch Cam Newton run and all those years and get hit. Mm-hmm. How come Josh Allen isn't taking any hits? Mm-hmm. I watch Cam, like I'm watching the game going, I, I had a conversation with a one-on-one with um, with uh, AP, Adrian Phillips. And I said, how come you guys don't hit Josh Allen like Cam Newton used to get hit? And he said flat out, I don't know. Mm-hmm. And I was like, what do you mean? I'm like, is he more elusive than Cam Newton? Well, you, you know why? You know why? Because <laughs> we saw yesterday, uh, Matt, you know, the, the honey yeah. badger hit him and he was gone. For the entire game, <laughs> he had the concussion. This is why, guys, it's like standing in front of a cement truck. You I'm don't want to hit him because he not only has a great arm, 
he plays like he's a fullback. Yeah. And will okay. run you over. This feels to me, this feels a little bit like Cam Newton 2015. When what we're seeing now with Josh Allen, and, and but the, the thing with Cam, I don't think Cam ever got to that level. Cam was really no. good at that, at that style of play, but for whatever Not reason. The yeah, exactly. The arm strength and maybe the accuracy wasn't quite there. I just Allen is going to be a handful for the next 10 years if he doesn't get hurt. And that's what I was saying. Like, I'm saying, I don't know if it can be Peyton Manning, Tom Brady, because, I mean, when it started, they were in the same division. Yeah. But they moved away. Yeah. So you're going to see this dude twice, twice as many times as really you want to see him, by the way. You don't want to see him this often. And you have no answer right now for him. Mm-hmm. There is, he's not afraid of you. He does like, he, like he's thinking I can run the ball 50 times an hour if I want to, mm-hmm. you know, but I'll, I'll throw it off to these guys. You, 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 you spent a second round pick on Muhammad Sanu. They spent uh, what a, a first and a third on Stefan Diggs. They won. <laughs> okay. They won that back. Okay. I for some reason, Isaiah McKenzie was lounging on their practice squad. They bring him up. They win. You know, we, we're bringing up, you know, Christian, you know, and he's a good player, but he's not, he's not this dude. And I, mm-hmm. I mean, and they have so much speed. They have a good running back all of a sudden. They only have one. They may have to get another one. Um, they have a great safety to between Poyer and, um, and, and Hyde. They're, they're getting the job done with what they have. You, and by the way, Tredavious White is not on the team right now. Yeah. And he may be the best defensive player. Um, we, we talked about so much about Ed Oliver coming out of Houston and maybe he'd be, you know, a bust because of his weight issues. He seems to be fine. Yeah, he'll be okay. <laughs> yeah, he'll be okay. So they have a, I mean, you're hoping and you're keeping your fingers crossed that some of those guys leave for free agency and they have to figure it out. Or you're even hoping this, and I mean this, um, Brian Dable needs to take a job someplace. Yeah. Okay? <laughs> Brian yeah. Dable needs to take a job someplace and somebody needs to come in. <clears throat> I don't want somebody moving up and keeping the offense the same. I want somebody coming in and being like, we're going to change this whole thing around. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and that's what you you know, and that's that would be your only thing to do because you have to lose pieces. Um, that's and that's what how teams break up. Coaches leave, so you lose pieces. Um, and you know you got to get used to new systems. But he's a handful, man. He's an unbelievable. And I mean, I mean, especially from just running the ball. Like, how many times am I going to watch a third and four? And I'm and you and I are like, you know, he's running the ball. What are we doing? Let's stack the box already, you know? And he, he takes two steps back and he runs for 15. I'm just, I don't get it. It's going to be tough. It, it really yeah. will be tough. It's, it's going to be fascinating to see how they go about trying to defend him moving forward, how Belichick specifically goes about trying to defend him moving forward. One more question as it relates to yesterday and the Patriots with the Bucks losing means they don't get a chance to go back-to-back. That means the 2003-2004 Patriots get to keep their mark intact as the last team to win two straight Super Bowls. We get all wistful about teams that won back-to-back or three out of four, like the Cowboys, the Steelers. Mm -hmm. We praise them as legends. Are the 2003-2004 Patriots underrated in the NFL pantheon when we talk about the truly great teams of the last 30 years? Um, Maybe. Maybe. And I, I, I would say so. Yeah, maybe. Um, Cause it was Brady's early seasons too. Mm-hmm. So I would say so. Um, but I will say this, I'll go to Brady's late seasons and the, the, the three years that he went to the Super Bowl in a row, mm-hmm. which was against Atlanta, against Philly and against the Rams, mm-hmm. that team. And, and what I'll say, oh, wait, by, by, wait a second, before we go there, the team that played the, the Seattle Seahawks in the Super Bowl. The 2014 team, yeah. That was the best team. Those, those two teams may have been the best Super Bowl teams I've ever seen. 
Okay. Um, like if you looked at like the talent that are on both sides of the squads on that team, that was crazy. And I felt like everybody might have been in their prime at that time. I remember Gronk played in that Super Bowl also. Yep. Um, but the three years that they went to the Super Bowl with um, against the, the Falcons, the Eagles, and the Rams, mm-hmm. that I mean, they only they won two out of three. Um, we, we're talking about the Malcolm Butler game and everything like that. We're talking about a Super Bowl where Brady put up 505 yards. I think that team, that team itself, is you won't even think it's underrated. I'm going to tell you, it's so underrated mm-hmm. because they just wipe teams out with guy with you know with Chris Hogan, <laughs> but and they they just wipe teams out. And that was when the rule changes happened, where you know there was there was a lot more free agency where you had to make you had to make things work for yourself with free agency. Guys had to come in and mm-hmm. be a little bit more versatile and everything like that. Where at the beginning you were building and you were just better. I just thought you were just better than the teams where now when you were going through the Ravens had a good Ravens team, you know, like there was, you had to get through a good, a, you know, you had to get through Ladanian Tomlinson and, and a good San Diego team to get there. You had to get through the Indianapolis Colts to get, you had to get through a good team to get to these in those three areas. And I thought those for those three years, that those teams were very good, were very, very good. The phrase that I always come back to with those teams was the disarming practicality where you would place an obstacle in front of them and the rest of the national football league would say, well, we can't get past that. We're, we're, oh, we're, like, we're going we're to take the loss. We're going to, you know, we're going to, oh, yeah. you, know, you would, you would place an obstacle in front of those teams. You lose Brady. You have a, you know, you have a significant, you know, individual injured. You, you have to go on the road and you have to play three games in 12 days with third in a key time of year. They would figure it out. And yeah. they would they would overcome those obstacles and they would keep moving forward. They were just some of the most mentally tough teams. I agree with you on that point. They were just some of the most mentally tough teams that I, I have ever seen in my time covering the National Football League. I tell people all the time, I said, the league tried to, to stop the Patriots and how they played on special teams. Mm-hmm. So they made up a rule that if you kick it out of bounds, you could take it to 25. Mm-hmm. And I said, Belichick decided to say to the rule, I'm going to do you one better. I'm going to kick it short. and i'm gonna make your guy make a decision on whether he wants to run or not run because my i spent so much money on special teams i'm not just gonna kick it into the end zone i'm gonna kick it short and these guys are gonna get after you so nobody for the longest time as you know practiced special teams because they would just assume that everybody was gonna kick it deep and when belichick kicked it short how many times it was there fumbles at like the two-yard line because these guys were getting the ball for the first time Mm -hmm. in a week and I was like, see, he just said to the league, you still have to play me. You still have to figure out what I'm going to do. And I thought that was brilliant. Which is what we should have seen yesterday from Buffalo. Yes. I don't want to talk about it. I don't want to talk that's, about it. And that's the a whole other podcast. Script, I don't want, like, and, and I'm sure I listened to Sean McDermott afterwards. He sounded like a coach that was trying to cover for a special teams guy mm-hmm. where he was like, it was just, a, a, you know, the execution was off, which means he was saying, well, why wouldn't we kick it, do a script kick? What, what is going on here? Yeah. Why would I have to tell you that? <laughs> I would think you should have known that. Interesting so. weekend for special teams. Interesting weekend between yeah. what we saw from Green Bay and yeah, three kickers with walk-off. Green Bay is the worst special teams in the league. It was it is awful. And I just, I, I was ranting at the, look, you, you say I'm a mild-mannered guy. I was ranting at the television set. <laughs> it's like, you can't, just dismiss special teams. And it's something we saw from this year's Patriots team. Honestly, you can't sell yourself short when it comes to special teams because in tight games, important games, 
those things are going to jump up and they're going to kill you. I was doing radio maybe four or five weeks ago and a couple of callers called in and they mentioned Cameron Accord by name. Mm -hmm. And I said, they're going to have to let him go. And they were like, you know, I was, Reese was on with me and he said, why? And I said, there's no way you should know the special teams coach fully yep. <laughs> as a fan. Yep. Like I should know, and you should know, mm -hmm. but as viewers on the radio or listeners on the radio, they should not be calling in talking. They didn't even call him Cam. It was Cameron Accord. Like as if he was coming to this room, Cameron Accord, I have to talk to you. You know, like, <laughs> was like I was like, they're going to have to let him go because yeah. they know him by name. Yeah. So. It's like, it's like being an umpire, like being a baseball yeah. umpire. You yes. shouldn't, shouldn't know the name. You shouldn't have to worry about it. Just don't even worry about them. All right. I want right. to switch gears here. I want to get some, I want to ask you some personal questions, some off season personal priorities for okay. the Patriots as they exist for you. Now, I want you to rank these for me in order of importance. Okay. I'm going to give you three re signing JC Jackson. Got it. Retaining Devin McCourty andor Dante Hightower. I'm going Got to have it. those guys as a package deal. And then the third, finding a true number one receiver, either in free agency or the draft. Rank those in order of importance for the Patriots this offseason. Uh, number one receiver is number one. Okay. Um, JC, okay, when you're saying JC Jackson, is it long-term or short-term? Either way, franchise, you could franchise tag him. You can you try and get him signed to a long-term deal, whatever the case may be. Okay, trying something with JC Jackson with number two. Okay. Um. I would keep Devin McCourty. I would let go. Um, I can't take him as a package deal. Dante Hightower. Okay. Dante Hightower took forever to get up to speed, mm -hmm. and he looked like he took an, a year off. And when he finally got up to speed, it wasn't enough. And I got it, and that's fine. And the reason I say that is because Brandon Bolden didn't take forever to get up to speed, and we asked him to do a little bit more, and he was brilliant at doing more. So, like, if you're saying, do you sign? Because I would, Brandon Bolden to me is more important right now than maybe Devin McCourty and Dante Hightower because I don't know what James White is going to do or anything comes back like that. That's a great and, point. And so that's why Brandon Bolden becomes more important to me. Um, I think with Devin McCourty, you can teach Kyle Duggar and you just sign Adrian Phillips to do something like do that. I don't know if Dante Hightower has enough in the tank. I'm going to be honest with you. And I think their problem at that position because you're going to let go Dante Hightower. Are you going to keep Kyle Van Noy? I don't know. Yeah. You know, Bentley, I don't know what's going on there. Well, we're Jordan going to run Lewis. down the individuals. Okay, we're, okay. We're, I see what you're okay, okay. Jump, jump, I, I want to run yeah, down some individuals. Jump those, jump three, yeah. those, those three, three groups specifically. I freaked out. I'll, I'll tell you this. I was talking to Miguel, our buddy Pat's cap. Yeah, yeah. And I said, look, here's a nightmare scenario for you. Brian Flores gets the job with the New York Giants, walks to the podium. First big free agent signing, Devin McCourty. Jersey guy goes home and Miguel just about lost it. I, I don't think that that's possible because I can tell you that's not no money happen. because I, they have no money in free agency. But I just the the, the idea of McCordy playing. I, I I do think this though, and this is part of this conversation. I, I I honestly believe this is part of this conversation that specifically McCordy Hightower maybe Van Noy. I'm going to be curious to see where Flores goes and to see if he is able to quote unquote recruit one, two, three, four of those guys, because you know the level of respect that they have for him. And the idea of... I, I, I will tell you this, um, and this is this is, this is is insider news. Mm -hmm. um, Van Noy and I remember Karras, you saying the Van Noy thing, and Karras. And yeah, Karras, they didn't like it. They were, they, they, they had bad words to say about him. 
Okay. Very, very bad words to say about him. And I would assume that would be the case with a lot of guys um, and a lot of guys like McCordy and everything. And maybe they know him a little bit better. Like mm-hmm. Those guys had some words to say about him was, as a head coach. That was not good. And I mean, yeah. very like, like not good. And then this, this whole thing happened afterwards with him in Miami. Um, I'm not saying he's not a good coach. And I will say this also mm-hmm. um, from a media perspective, he wasn't winning. He wasn't, let's just say he wasn't amicable to the media. Okay. So it was like he wasn't winning and he was mean. Mm-hmm. So, you know, like if you're winning, you can be Belichick. And yeah. Belichick is Belichick. He's already got his pedigree down. So, like, we all know what it's going to be like. So, we got, but he wasn't winning and it was, he was kind of mean. So, they were okay. saying, like, there was a lot of people saying, like, before he gets to the job, he's going to have to do media training also, uh, which is a weird thing for a head coach to have to do. But somehow, you just have to do it. If you're, yeah. if you're the head of the franchise, you, know, you have to do it. Um, um, but I, I would be interested, you're right, to see. It. I don't know if he's going to pick from this cherry batch. I really don't think so. Okay. Uh, I don't think so. I, I know Bill was very, Bill likes Flores, but Bill was kind of upset about how that went with, and you know that, where, mm-hmm. what did Bill say? I would love for you to get a head coaching job, but don't take from my coaches Just don't either. take from my, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. The, the one thing I remember about Flores, not the one thing, but, but it, as we're talking about this and his relationships with the media, the, the thing that I remember distinctly is he had rabbit ears. Yes. He knew exactly what you said about him. He knew exactly what you wrote about him. Like when we would get a chance years ago, when we would get a chance to talk to him, you know, once or twice a year and then at the Super Bowl, he would say, I remember you wrote that story about so-and-so and such and such. And I think that that's not a great way to go about your business. Absolutely. If you are a coach in the National Football League, maybe it changes, you know, guys evolve and become different and become, you know, just change their overall approach. But I just thought that that was interesting in the wake of what you said about Flores and his dealings with the media. And I wonder also how much of that is pressure and having to deal with Stephen Mm -hmm. Ross and an untenable situation with Tua that we're finding out more and more, but it's just, it's going to be, like I said before, it's going to be fascinating to see how it all ends up with him. Can I ask you a question real quick? And and I'll I'll let you, how how do the Patriots approach their situation with Stephen Belichick? Boy, that's a great one. <laughs> I, you know what I do? I, and I think I said this to someone er- earlier. I think a lot of it depends on what happens to Gerard Mayo. Okay. I think if Gerard Mayo leaves, I don't think he's going to leave. I think he's going to end up staying. But if Gerard Mayo leaves, I think the door could be open there for a larger, put him yes. more, put, put more on his plate. Yes. But if Gerard Mayo stays, and I think he's going to stay, I think Mayo's going to be a head coach in the league eventually, but just not right now. I think he's going to okay. take interviews. And I think he's going to understand. But I think it's going to be moving forward. I think it's going to be status quo. But it's if Mayo leaves, then all bets are off. Okay. Okay. I, I don't know how – I think the players like Steve Belichick. I'm not sure how I feel Yeah. Uh, if he's, you know, like – and again, I don't know. I don't know. Like whenever we get a chance to talk to him, it's, he's very vague. Like, like he's just not like, so I'm, you know, I, and I'm sure he understands what he's doing because he, the pedigree is there. And like, everyone would say, well, I don't know this. I would say, well, most of these guys, the chances they've got a chance to spend with their fathers is the same time that Belichick got a chance to spend with his father, yeah. you know, watching, being around the game, understanding the game. Shanahan's has the same thing. So I, I, I'm not doubting his pedigree. I'm doubting the fact that he seems so young at the job that he has. right Exactly. Now. The, the other all. thing too, is that I think he understands this, and maybe you can speak to this better than I can, but I think he understands, Stephen Belichick specifically, who the important people are in the room. I agree with you. He understands who he has to win over when it comes to 
implementing a defensive game plan. He doesn't necessarily have to worry about, I don't know, Jonathan Jones. If he knows that Devin McCourty listens to him and respects him, if he knows that Hightower, if he knows that Lawrence Guy, Mm -hmm. if he knows that he has those guys on the same page, he's going to be okay. Yes, you're right. But if, 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 I, and I think he's fully aware of who he needs to be. He's, you know, in that in that aspect, maybe he's a bit of a political animal. And that look, I, there, there's there's like eight guys that I have to win their trust. If I can win their trust, the rest we're of good. it's all gravy. Yeah, we're, we're good. good. Yeah. So, but again, I think you know, initially your question, I think it all goes back to Gerard Mayo. And okay. if Mayo is there, I think Mayo is going to have a heavy. You know he's going to have a thumbprint on on that on that defensive game plan. But if Mayo leaves, then all bets are off. I'm sorry to sidetrack you. Um, I won't do it again. No, I no, it's okay. Li- I want the listeners to understand. Like when I when Chris and I were in the room together, I had a thousand questions for Chris, and we would do this on a daily basis. A thousand questions that, and I would because the only way for us to get better as reporters and journalists is to ask each other questions. Exactly. And, that, and that's the only way. So like we would listen to each other and get feedback from one another. Mm-hmm. And then we'd, we'd all be in a room together and we would all talk and bounce off ideas. And some of them you didn't agree, some of them you agreed, but it was never malicious, but we had ideas that we would bounce off. So I'm just in the room with you again. <laughs> one of the things, honestly, man, one of the things I miss the most about being down there on a regular basis is when we would have Bill at like 10 o'clock in the morning and then media availability at four o'clock. Yes, exactly. And we would just be there. In the be room. there, just bouncing in the room, just bouncing okay. ideas off each other in exactly. the room. Exactly. That's a works. All right, we're gonna do. Will they stay or will they go? At this point, with these free agents, um, they have. I think it's fourteen. Yes. Guys, uh, fourteen guys are unrestricted free agents. They're got, they have three restricted free agents. So I'm just gonna run right down the list. You give me your first thought. Maybe you fill in the blanks a little bit. You know, you talk about the contract deal. Those kind of things, but but just tell me if they're going to end up staying in Foxborough if they're gone. Okay. All right. Dante Hightower. Gone. Let go. Juwan Bentley. Stay. Nobody wants him. <laughs> Jamie Collins. Stay. He loves it here. Harvey Longy. Oh, we we know Longy stand. Yeah, stand. He just he just re up. Dev McCordy. Stay. He loves it here. J.C. Jackson. Stay there, going to pay him the money. Matthew Slater. Go, but he's going to be a coach on this team. Oh, okay, that's yeah. interesting. You think he's going to be, you think he's going to take over for a court? I think he's going to train to take over for a court, okay. but I think they need him to stay in the fold. I don't think Mr. Crap will let him leave. This, the, I, I don't think the pulse of the team can have him not around it. That's okay. what I mean. I, I think they need him to be here. Brandon King. It's time for him to go. He made too many mistakes on special teams, and that's all he does. Nick Folk. Oh, they better sign him to whatever money he wants to stay. <laughs> okay, but yes, yeah, stay. <laughs> uh, Gunnar Olszewski, a restricted free agent. Go. Uh, you have to do more than just feel the ball from punt returns. How come he can't catch at wide receiver? Brian Hoyer. Stay. Uh, Mac Jones needs another person to lean on. So do they carry three quarterbacks next year? Um, as long as well, – let me uh, – give me a chance to – set that back because I don't know what COVID is going to be like next year. Okay. Fair point. So if, so if COVID is gone totally, then they only carry two, but if, I think three would be for everyone who has, you know, COVID obviously. Okay. Yeah. Trent Brown. I would stay, stay, but at left tackle. Ted Karras. Stay. They love Ted Karras. He's better for the defense than he is for the offense. 
James White. One more year, James. Could you just stay healthy instead? Just, just one year. Just stay, one just year. play 16 games. Just stay games. healthy, play 16 games, man. Come on. Oh, if they had had James White on this team. Yes, yes, I, yes. Just one more been, year. Yeah. Because he's a better blocker than all those guys. Guys are, like, again, mm-hmm. and before we, I'll go quick. Guys are playing out of position because he's gone. That's it. Plain and simple. Brandon Bolden. One more year for Brandon Bolden. He's not up. Jacoby Myers, restricted free agent. They need him to stay. They need yeah. a number three, so they need him to stay, yes. Jakob Johnson. Yeah, he's staying. Yeah. He's staying. I mean, I don't know if he knows anything other than the Patriots, and they brought him along since he was, you know, just in the international play, and they gave him a football for a 1,000 snaps. Yeah. At fullback, he loves it here. <laughs> um, all right. That's that's the whole list of free agents. Will they stay? Will they go? I want to get um, I want to ask you one draft question. If you're Bill, and I think I know the answer to this question based on the con- uh, question I asked you a little bit earlier. What's your draft priority at number 21? Let's assume that they're going to stick at 21, even though they, they probably won't stick. But if you're at 21, where are you going? What direction are you going? I'm going to try and find. I'm going to try and find. I really need speed on defense. Mm-hmm. I desperately need speed on defense. I know what my offense needs, but I think if I can't, I, I left the, I left the season, not punting to Buffalo like nine times now. What is it? Mm-hmm. Like ten times. I gotta find um, I, I hit on Christian Barmore. Mm-hmm. I gotta find someone to put behind Christian Barmore, um, because I'm keeping Judon and Barmore on the line together. Can I get a dynamic middle linebacker? Okay. Can I find one? And I know you're thinking I was going to say wide receiver. Um, they are not the Steelers. <laughs> so <laughs> the Steelers pick a wide receiver in the 10th round. That guy's going to be the best wide receiver in the history of America. <laughs> the Patriots pick a wide receiver is like, uh. <laughs> <laughs> well, are, are we, that, well, that, that, that leads me to another question. Are we going to have this whole, like if Bill, I don't know, takes a wide receiver in the first round, the second, whatever, I, we're going to have this whole three months of, oh my God, Bill's taking another wide receiver. Doesn't he remember? I'm, I'm going to be honest with you. I wouldn't take a wide receiver. Okay. I mean, I, I, if if I was watching those games, listen, I don't know. I don't know if it's, it's if it's Mac Jones's clock or if it's the offensive line. Like Isaiah Wynn is a whiff. Mm-hmm. That's a total miss. Mm-hmm. So you've you've got what well, you have two guards and Trent Brown. Can we say that? Yeah. Okay. So you have two guards and Trent Brown. So you're going to keep Shaq Mason, keep Ted Karras, Trent Brown, and you have a center. You love David Andrews. Mm-hmm. Um, but you but the rest of the guys. So you have four. Um, Michael Woodley, for some reason, it didn't work out as well this year as it did last year. Mm-hmm. Justin Haran is a miss at times. Um, Yasser Durant is a miss at times. Isaiah Wynn, for you to start him as many games as him to cause you that much trouble, you can't play him. You've got to get strong on that offensive line. You just yeah. do. You need to go find your 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 Makai Becca. You know, you got to go find guys who are a, a bigger than average right now to play in that offensive line and protect the quarterback because Matt Jones. I mean, you need a core on the offensive line that you can have for four. Because mm-hmm. um, I think your, wide, your, your core probably is, you, you know, you probably have Bourne and, and like we said, uh, you know, uh, Myers. And, yeah. and you probably have Hunter. And you'll probably go with the two running backs. And hopefully you get White back. But, I mean, it's, it doesn't make a difference if I can't protect him. And, and there were way too many hits and way too much time at the end of, towards the end of games that it was a, it was a different story. Eric Edholm from Yahoo Sports, who covers the draft. I, I talked to him last week, I will say this, and he said that this is a great draft for tackles, yeah. for offensive tackles. And so, look, we're sitting here talking about wide receivers and, you know, great linebackers. 
what does Bill do in these situations? He's going to, he's going to build out, you know, from, yeah. from the interior and it's he's like going to go, you know, he might go get a tackle, you know, or who, who knows? We'll see. Um, I, I'm glad you bring up Mac because I, I have two questions about Mac before we wrap up here. First of all, what do you think the legacy of his rookie year is going to be? What's going to stand out the most when we look back at Mac Jones's rookie year, what are you going to remember? Way overachiever, way thought the night, the better than he could be um, handled it like a true pro. And this is a big thing, played every game. He played every game as a rookie at quarterback and led the team to the playoffs. And I think the most important thing that we saw um, in his rookie season was this. They were getting hammered, and and he stayed in there. And he threw two touchdowns. They were getting hammered. You can't teach that. You can't. That experience that he got in getting his butt whooped (laughs) in freezing cold weather, you can't teach that. That is something he has to be involved in to see it, to feel it, to understand it. And that happened in his first season. Good for him. The team building aspect of having a young quarterback on his first deal and having a, a level of success as a franchise, we've seen a lot of teams try to maximize that window. We saw it in Kansas City when Mahomes first came into the league. We saw it in Seattle with Russell Wilson when he first came to the league. The Patriots under Brady, they were an exception to the rule, but... Do you believe that New England is going to try to maximize that window while Mac is on his rookie deal? Do you think that's a wise course of action? Or do you see them kind of trying to, to, to make it all work with him moving forward from a, from a, a salary cap perspective? First of all, I, I think that they believe they've found their guy. Right. And so I think that's the first step in the process. So now what you need to do is you need to say, look, we're going to have, what, three more years, four more years of Mac if we exercise the fifth-year option. We have four more years of Mac with this small window where we feel like we have a great opportunity to win. Okay, this goes back to what we mentioned earlier about what I think is you mentioned the top keys. So you have that window. Go find a number one receiver and pay him. Go find a number one receiver and pay him. I think you have a number two and number three in Bourne and, and Myers. Go find your number one and pay him the money he needs. Go, go, go pay Devontae Adams. Go pay him. Go pay him. Go pay him out there. Let him teach your young quarterback what it needs to be a great quarterback. Go, go like Josh Allen wasn't Josh Allen until he got Stephon Diggs. Go find your number one and pay him. And that's what you need. This is the time to do it. You have that money. You have the able to do it. And you're able to do it now. Go do it now. Levin Reed, thank you so much for your time, my friend. This is anytime, absolutely anytime, fantastic. My friend. Absolutely. Love talking to you. Anytime you need me, give me a holler. Let people know where they can see you, where they can read you, where they can hear you. I'm at Levin Reed is on Twitter. It's at Levin Reed. Um, you can see me on WBZ. I'll be there this weekend anchoring away. And you can hear me sometimes on Yahoo Sports Radio <laughs> uh, when I'm on there. And otherwise, I will be on your on your television screen on WBZ between 5, 6, and 11. So I'm there. And sometimes on TV 38. Also, I'll be on some of the Revolution broadcasts. So, Love it. Um, uh, they, they, uh, they talk about spreading me thin, and I'm like, no, just bring it on. I'm like, uh, you like uh, exactly. I'm like, Hardest uh, I'm like guy e- in Boston Ezekiel Elliott. I'm like, just feed me. <laughs> <laughs> no Thanks problem. again, buddy. Take care, and we will talk again very, very soon. Absolutely. See you soon. Thank you.
Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.